ladies. My name is Wendy McGinnis, and I'm thrilled that you joined me for this week's podcast entitled How to Create an Imperfectly Joyful Home. When preparing, I found some quotes about a happy and joyful home, and here are a few of my favorites. Billy Graham said, The secret of a happy home is that the members of the family learn how to give and receive love. A happy home starts with, you guessed it, a happy mom. And we all know this one well, there's no place like home, Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. If you are happy in your home, you will be happy in your life. Home is a refuge from the world, a place where we can be ourselves. And lastly, home is where our story begins. Of course, we all want to cultivate this type of environment. That's why you're listening to this podcast. And I think that desire alone is pleasing to God. You want to do your best for the sake of yourself and your family. You want to glorify God where he has called you and with what he has entrusted to you. I'm sure that alone makes him smile. But before we get started, I wanted to emphasize one key point. I absolutely do not have it completely figured out in the joyful home department. I'm right in the middle of the experiment, right in the middle of the learning. The goal of this podcast is to discuss and share how we as moms and wives can cultivate a joyful home. What works for my family may not perfectly apply to yours, but hopefully it will get you thinking about intentional activities or environmental changes that would raise the joy meter in your home. So whether you're single, married without kids, in the family stage, or empty nesters, I believe there are takeaways for you. Apply these thoughts to your season of life. I actually laughed out loud when Tiffany asked me to share on this topic because the night before, my home wasn't feeling so joyful. Her request got me thinking, do I really have a joyful home? Would my kids say we have a joyful home? Would my husband say we have a joyful home? And most importantly, would Jesus, who sees and knows all, say that we have a joyful home? After asking my family and friends who are in and around our home often, I landed on the conclusion of yes, our home is generally joyful. Is it perfect? No. Are we happy 100% of the time? Again, no. Do we have occasionally raised voices and bad attitudes? Yes. I hope those admissions help you feel like you're not alone. I'm not here sharing because my home life is all rainbows and butterflies, but rather as an imperfect and hopefully relatable mom who fails on a daily basis, but who is also striving like each of you to do her best and be her best for her family. If you're in the thick of parenting, you know the daily and even hourly pressures of this season. We have responsibilities, commitments, chores, activities, school, and jobs that we can't just drop in the middle of chasing happiness and fun. Believe me, I feel this at my core. I'm an extroverted, type A, part-time working, homeschooling mom who likes to have a structured life, but also wants plenty of room for fun. I'm convinced that God shorted us and there should be at least 26 hours in each day. But I do believe we can cultivate an environment and culture of joy in our homes, all while meeting the needs of our family. So let's define these words so we're speaking the same language. Webster defines joy as a feeling of great pleasure and happiness that comes from success, good fortune, or a sense of well-being. Biblical joy is more than a happy feeling. It's a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. I want to repeat that part. Biblical joy is more than a happy feeling. It's a lasting emotion that comes from the choice to trust that God will fulfill his promises. Joy is an inner feeling while happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A person pursues happiness but chooses joy. As I mentioned, what brings joy to my family might not bring joy to yours. 
So I pulled my small Instagram following and simply asked them, what brings joy to your family? And here are some of the common responses that you may relate to. Being outside, quality time together, good communication, vacations, a clean house, and positivity to just name a few. It could have been the way I formulated the question, but one missing response, in my opinion, was Jesus. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, the words joy, rejoice, or joyful appear a total of 430 times compared with happy or happiness, which appears only 10 times. Why do you think that is? I think God wanted us to realize that joy is a choice. He knew that happiness and contentment would be a fleeting emotion that we all chase after, so he gave us repetition on this topic in his word. Here are just a few of my favorite verses on joy when I need a good reminder to choose joy and change my perspective. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 through 23 is a familiar one. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Psalm 16, 11 says, You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasure of living with you forever. Psalms 94, 19 says, When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. And lastly, Philippians 3, 1 says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, Rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. I want to encourage you ladies to write these verses on flashcards and stash them in places where you feel like your joy is fleeting. The kitchen, the laundry room, the car dashboard. Pretend I didn't just out all of my bad attitude areas. But don't we need these reminders? We can go from joyful to grumpy in about 2.5 seconds. Or is that just me? I take refuge in God's promises in Psalm 37, 23 that says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. So even if no one else sees or notices your service, God does. The Bible offers us countless examples of people finding joy in the Lord, not just happiness in their circumstances. Let's take the Israelites, for example. They were suffering in slavery and bondage, and Moses came to lead them. Psalms 105, 43 says, So he brought his people out of Egypt, with joy, his chosen ones with rejoicing. Despite their suffering, they were still joyful. Their circumstances would understandably put them in bad moods with bad attitudes and with fear of the unknown, but instead, they rejoiced. The joy of God's people is not defined by their circumstances, but rather on God's promise. Did they do this perfectly? No. They had moments of frustration, disappointment, and ungrateful hearts, but they kept turning back to God and his joy. Another example is Paul and Silas. I'm going to read a short passage to you from Acts 16. It starts in verses 20, and it says, The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Paul and Silas were able to find joy despite their circumstances and praise Jesus in their prison cell. If they can do that, we can find joy in the early morning hustle to get out the door, the frantic scramble to find the missing shoe, and during homework struggles and bad attitudes. 
If we can shift our focus past these day-to-day frustrations, we can see the bigger picture and trust that God is working behind the scenes through the big and small challenges. Our circumstances don't have to dictate our attitude and response. In these examples, it doesn't mean we suppress our sorrow or avoid dealing with hard things and just say, oh, don't worry about me, I'm joyful. Paul gave us multiple examples where he expressed his grief, pain, and loss, but ultimately, he decided that those emotions were not where he would remain, full of sorrow, yet rejoicing. He acknowledged his pain, but chose to trust Jesus in his perfect will. Joy and suffering are not mutually exclusive. Joy and hardship can exist in the same home. Don't you find that expectations are everything? Being joyful 100% of the time isn't realistic, but it is a choice and a mindset. We can channel our inner Paul and Silas and seize our opportunities to be joyful. So let's get practical. If you're a believer, you know that our source of joy is Jesus. Ladies, we have to be careful not to let people, places, or things become our source of joy because they will all inevitably fail us. Jesus will not. So step one, if you're taking notes on this podcast, in creating an imperfectly joyful home is to prioritize more Jesus. Psalms 118.24 says, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. One consistent and constant thing that will bring joy to all of our lives and homes is knowing and loving Jesus. As Dave Ramsey says, nothing gives you more peace and joy than knowing and loving the Prince of Peace, which means we need to prioritize Jesus. When I'm in the Word daily and in frequent communication with God through prayer, I'm naturally more joyful and content. I worry less about worldly pressures and have a better perspective. And back to one of our original quotes, a happy home starts with a happy mom. And if we prioritize Jesus in our own lives, we need to then teach our kids how to do the same. When we are in tune with God, we can then overflow this knowledge onto our children. They have little eyes that are always watching. And while we want them to do as we say, in reality, they will do as we do. So we need to model spiritual discipline. As we are going, doing, and momming, we are making disciples in all nations, beginning in our own homes. Step two in creating an imperfectly joyful home is to adjust your environment. While it's virtually impossible to have a flawless home with kids present, we can still create a welcoming environment conducive to calm. So play soothing instrumental or worship music in the background. It's harder to yell at your kids when you're hearing about Jesus in the lyrics. Am I right or am I right? Create a clean and clutter-free home. When there's less visual noise, your mind is able to focus and relax. Get the kids in on the mix. They can help clean and declutter. Many hands make light work. And then minimize technology so you can invest in and connect with the humans in front of you. This is a tough one for most of us, including myself, but we can't expect our kids to not be technology-obsessed if we are. Step three in creating an imperfectly joyful home is spend time together. This is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. I heard on a podcast about a month ago that on average, by the time your kids graduate from high school, you will have already spent 95% of the in-person face-to-face time that you will ever have with them. The remaining 5% will happen between graduation and when we pass away. And while that is just an average and may not be the case for your family, it does emphasize the point that now is the time to prioritize our quality time with our kids. So incorporate playful activities into your weekly routine. A few weeks ago, we had birthday balloons lying around, so we made our living room into a volleyball court with our dining chairs and played balloon volleyball. I've resisted balls in my house for about a year, and then I gave up. To illustrate how far I've fallen, we have a mini basketball hoop on our coat closet door for impromptu basketball games. It doesn't match my Magnolia Farms decor, 
but it's fun and it brings joy. It's about balance. Another thing that fosters time together is always having games on the table ready to be played. We've created a culture of game playing in our family. I always have a deck of cards in my purse and a card game ready in my car to seize all the unexpected moments to be playful and connect. Take frequent walks together, binge watch a show with special snacks, go on individual dates with your kids, bake and cook together. Basically carve out time to make and eat meals together without technology, no TVs and no phones. Sometimes that means we're all eating at 8 p.m. because of late afternoon activities, but that's okay. Purpose to find at least a few nights a week for family dinners. In Acts 2.46, it says they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Eating together is important enough that it's mentioned multiple times in the Bible, so we just need to prioritize it. Be playful and joyful together. Kids hear what you say, but they will eventually do what you do. Display what you want to see. We can tell them all day to be joyful, but if we're crabby, stressed out, and overwhelmed, they will follow our lead. As moms, we need to stop taking ourselves so seriously. Have a dance party, start a water balloon fight, jump in the pool with your clothes on. You know what will shock your kids into joy, so go for it. On our last vacation, we randomly started speaking in an English accent to each other, and we cracked up all week. Turns out you tend to be nicer to one another when you're speaking in an accent. It was random and silly and made us laugh. You should really try it. I also want to share a personal area where I'm recently growing, and it might encourage you as well. My daughter, she's a mini-me. We enjoy the same things. We love getting our nails done. We like shopping. We like watching food shows and baking and cooking together. But my son, he has unique hobbies, and he's a teenager, and I have little to no interest and knowledge on the things that he's loving these days. Um, But if I want to connect with him, I need to take an interest in his hobbies so that I can connect with him and have quality time. So I'm learning all about chess. I even watched a YouTube channel with him that we watched a play-by-play of a chess master and his game recap. It was thrilling. Do you hear the sarcasm through the speaker? But I watched it with interest and asked all the questions because if it's important to him, I'm going to make it important to me. This past week, he also asked me to run a 5K with him, so I said yes. I almost died trying to keep his pace, but I did it. I said yes. And maybe you need to say yes to a random ask of your kids or husband or grandkids for the sake of connection and quality time. Maybe that's a little encouragement for you this week. Step four in creating an imperfectly joyful home is to guard your calendar. In my family, I'm the social butterfly. I have FOMO, fear of missing out, and I want to be with all the people all the time. My husband, on the other hand, is an introvert and has JOMO, the joy of missing out. So our calendar has been a place of conflict since we got married. As an example, he literally will put in the Google calendar the words do not schedule, which is code for I need quality time relaxing and connecting with just my family. And while this has sometimes been disappointing for me when we miss social events with others, it does protect and prioritize our family time. In our culture, saying no to invitations feels awkward. We want to be all things to all people, and we want to feel included. However, sometimes it's necessary to say no to big group activities and say yes to investing in our core family. As a family, we got to a point where we were so overcommitted with activities that we didn't even enjoy them that much. We needed to overhaul our calendar and reassess our priorities and determine what truly brought joy to our family rather than allowing social pressures to dictate. We've found that we are personally more joyful when our calendar is less packed with sports commitment so we can have space to explore, recharge, and be creative. This doesn't come without cost and sacrifice, though, 
My daughter walked away from a highly competitive, top-performing soccer club and instead chose a team with a lesser commitment. My son didn't join a travel baseball team and opted for a more local option. Again, this may not be the right thing for your family, but it was for ours. These decisions, while seemingly silly, feel hard and uncomfortable because social pressure tells you compete at the highest level, commit your lives to youth athletics, and say no to nothing because you might not get asked again. But these aren't the rules we have to live by. We can choose the right rhythm for our family, even if it feels unpopular or uncomfortable. Another calendar pro tip for you is we try to plan something special and block it out on the calendar. It gives us something fun to look forward to. It doesn't have to be like this huge trip. It can be a special dessert at home, a movie night, a dinner out, or family outings like mini golf or bowling. It's just a carrot to look forward to. So hear this as encouragement from someone who struggles with FOMO. You can control your calendar. It doesn't have to consume, control, and exhaust you. We tend to be more joyful when we have more margin in our schedule, and we can't be joyful when we are spread too thin and exhausted. So don't be scared to say, thank you for the invite, but unfortunately we can't make it. Please think of us next time. No excuse or reason is necessary. And lastly, step five in creating an imperfectly joyful home is to be your best self. We are called to take care of our body, mind, and soul. When we move our bodies through physical activity and fuel them with a well-balanced diet, we function at a higher level. Find the exercise routine and nutrition plan that works for you and commit. The hardest part is starting, but once you get going in a rhythm, it makes it easier to maintain. So make it a priority to exercise, hydrate, eat well, get good rest, and fit in time to read your Bible. Sounds simple, right? Something personal that I've committed to since the kids were born was to get myself ready every morning. It's something I do for myself. I take 20 minutes to do my hair and makeup and get dressed. I feel better. I look better. I'm more confident and productive. And I'm sure my husband appreciates that I'm not in the same clothes that he left me in when he comes home from work. So even if you're staying home with the kids, try taking a few minutes to be your best you. I don't think you'll regret it. So in review, the five steps that will lead to creating an imperfectly joyful home are one, prioritize more Jesus, two, adjust your environment, three, spend time together, four, guard your calendar, and five, be your best self. Pick a few of these things that stood out to you and make those changes in your home. I want to encourage you to hold fast to the promise found in Nehemiah 8.10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. As mothers, we have this incredible power to shape the atmosphere of our homes, and it begins with cultivating an environment of joy. As we navigate the joys and challenges of motherhood, Let's remember to rely on God's grace and wisdom. May we draw inspiration from God's word, implementing practical steps to change our environment, engage in joint family activities, and prioritize our own well-being. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you so much for the roles that you've given to us, God. I just pray that we can um, find joy in you first, independently of our families, Lord, and then just serve them out of our love for you and that it overflows onto them. God, I just pray that We can glorify you and how we speak to one another and how we serve one another, Lord. And just we entrust our families to you, God. And we just pray that we can be bright lights shining on a hill for your glory, God. In your son's name, amen.